Have you guys ever heard of the Anvil series races? Double Anvil, Triple Anvil, Quadruple, Quintuple. And I think Luke said a 10X is on the way. Uh, if you know about these, then hopefully you're getting excited. You're getting excited to hear about uh, the Double Anvil from a man who just completed it. And if you don't know, let's start with the Double Anvil because Triple and Quadruple are just more of that, basically. So a Double Anvil is a double iron distance triathlon. And I was just telling somebody about this and they asked me, oh, does that mean that as soon as you finish the run, you start the swim again? No, that would be crazy. No doubt people would drown, I'm sure. Um, it's a double portion of each leg of the Ironman. So you get out there and you swim 4.8 miles, you bike 224 miles, and then you finish that off with a 52 mile run. And this is not over multiple days. This is all at once. So the man who just completed this that I'm sitting down with today, his name is Luke Sweet. And Luke did this in, I think, 30 hours exactly. Um, in like torrential rain for most of it. And these were small loops. I don't know who designed this course, but <laughs> super small loops for the bike ride and the run. So this is like the test of all mental tests, uh, at least as far as the people I've interviewed on this podcast so far. So it's a fantastic story getting to learn about the du double anvil. Um, but also just had a ton of fun interviewing Luke. You know, I, uh, when I record these intros to these podcasts, it's usually fresh off the heels of editing the podcast. So I've re-listened to it. And then one of the first things I do in a, is I sit down and I think about just traits of that person or, you know, some of their characteristics. And there, there's certainly an underlying theme with a lot of these people that I'm interviewing. I mean, all of them are tenacious, obviously, right? If they're, they're going for these types of things, all of them are unique. You've got to be a unique individual to do a double Ironman uh, at one time. And most of them are curious too. They want to know what it would feel like. They want to know if they have what it takes. They want to know, you know, what they what they're capable of, how far can they actually go? So sometimes I feel like a broken record because I'm just saying that I'm like, oh, super curious and unique person, but they're really all like that. I guess that's just, that's going to be the case here um, on how far one can go. But uh, I'll throw in two more. So unique, curious, let's add in humble, very humble. This guy talks about his accomplishments as though like he's just kind of winging it, figuring it out. Um, <laughs> this guy's impressive. And then methodical. I don't think so far that I've met anybody with such a methodical approach to the endurance world, whether it's training or actually competing in the event. Extremely methodical. Um, he is optimization personified. I wish I thought of that phrase, but I stole it from somebody else. But he truly is optimization personified. And uh, I don't want to give away too much. He'll go into it. But man, methodical approach. And I think... It, uh, it makes a little bit more sense when you know more about him in, in regards to his methodical approach to training, to pursuing or even considering these events. It's almost like he's testing a hypothesis when he's setting out to do this. But he is a scientist. He's a scientist at the Pacific Northwest National Lab. He's got a PhD in, I think, chemistry. And let me just share two titles of his published works in scientific journals. Just the titles alone should tell you what type of guy we're, get, we're about to hear from today and what type of mind we're about to learn from today as well. Uh, so title number one, 
quantitative morphological characterization of carbide inclusions in uranium metal. That's the first one. Have you read that? Uh, and then the second one is the evolution of hydrated lime-based cementitious or cementitious waste forms during leach testing leading to enhanced technetium or technetium retention. <sighs> Have you read that one? <laughs> I haven't. Um, so anyways, this is, this is a good one. Fun conversation. Great human being. Um, and we're about to get into the mind of Luke Sweet and learn a little bit more about the double anvil. So anyways, without any further ado, here's Luke Sweet. Enjoy. That's cool. Well, man, first off, I just appreciate you being willing to take some time to chat. I think um, it's going to be fun for the podcast, but I'm also just super intrigued by the double anvil um, for just at like a, you know, face value what it is. Also, because there are only a couple in the country, one by you and then maybe one in Florida or something. And then the third one is by me in Lake Anna, Virginia. So it's like less yeah. than two hours away. So I'm really interested for next year. I'm kind of like tinkering with it. So this, yeah. this is like a selfish interview as well for me to get to learn a little bit more about yeah. your experience. Um, I guess to start, how did you get into the world of endurance sports to begin with? That's a good question. I like to attribute it to my sister. <laughs> so I want to say around I don't, I don't remember the time frame, 2013, 2014, uh, she had done a marathon. She's my little sister. Uh, and uh, I was like, wow, that's really impressive. Um, I had, you know, I didn't like running at all. I remember going back for uh, visiting for Thanksgiving or something. And she asked me if I wanted to go for a run. And I was like, yeah, sure. I, I'll do that. <laughs> and man, it was maybe a three mile run. Uh, that I could do. And my sister was just smoking me like, wow, this is really weird. I'm the older brother. <laughs> this isn't quite right. Um, I was just really impressed by that. And, uh, and she let me know that she was pretty proud that she could do that. Yeah, I'm sure. uh, do something way better than her older brother. Uh, it's not, I think that kind of planted the seed. And then um, I think another inspiration was the Born to Run book, which oh, a lot yeah, of course read. Um, and then I think uh, just a lot of life circumstances around, I want to say 2016, 2017. Uh, just, um, you know, it's not like I wasn't active, but I wasn't into endurance at all. And, and just my life revolved around work, kids, chores. Uh, and, um, and it just, I could see my life unfolding in a highly predictable way. And I recognized, oh, this is my path for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, and just, uh, it was just, uh, wasn't quite happy with the way things were going. Uh, and I didn't realize how much so until I started, like I said, the goal to run a marathon. And then really got into running um, and, and just that uh, setting that kind of external uh, goal external to my life as it was and a personal goal um, that seemed like a far stretching thing for me at the time. And how much just getting into that endurance sports really changed my perspective and outlook on life. 
Um, and just really uh, uh, add a lot, a lot of positive uh, energy to my life. Running did, um, and so that's that's kind of where it kicked off. Uh, so I had set that goal to run a marathon, and um, f- from that book, Born to Run, I was aware there were things that were beyond a marathon. So I, I was aware of that. So I did the marathon. Uh, was this twenty seventeen? It might have been. I don't remember if it was 2016, 2017, but there was a, I did it. And then I did maybe one more marathon and uh, decided, okay, 2018, let's, let's double that. Let's do the uh, a 50 mile run. And I had uh, started to meet a group of people that were really into um, ultra running locally and trail running and, and really, uh, took off from there. So 2018 was the 50 mile and then, okay, 2019, let's double that. Let's do a a hundred mile trail run. Uh, And then uh, uh, what were these runs? Are these like sanctioned events that you were signing up for? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, locally um, there's, there's a really good trail running community here and um uh, this guy named J- jason rutherford here puts on these uh ultra marathons um which are really good uh, so it's called badger mountain challenge um was the 50 mile and so that's so that badger mountain challenge is a 50 mile loop and i remember doing that in 2018 and seeing other people doing two loops of that and i just couldn't comprehend that I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like completely trashed at 50 miles. I cannot imagine leaving that start finish line, which, you know, had all kinds of food, very comfortable to get up and go and run another loop of that overnight. What? That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, And that's to me, a lot of this um, endurance sports is that, that, uh, mystery is like, I don't understand that. Uh, and I'm very curiosity driven. So I was like, I've got to figure that out. I got, I got to figure out how do you go from a marathon to 50 miles and then from 50 miles to a hundred miles is completely unknown, but it's like, I got to figure that out. Uh, and so that's what I did the next year, uh, to do that hundred mile, uh, race Badger mountain challenge. And, um, after that, I was, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. Um, when you exert yourself really hard for long periods of time, there's weird brain chemistry that can happen. And I didn't know this um, until I heard other people talk about it later. But um, after that race, I, I probably could have been diagnosed as depressed. Um, I didn't feel bad per se it was just a numbness I didn't care about anything uh it was uh and I've heard this happen to people um and for a good three months I thought I was done with endurance sports oh wow you know this is uh I don't care to run anymore um I don't care about anything really life is not bad life isn't good. I'm super comfortable. And that's, that's how I want to be um, for a good three months. And so I thought it was, I was done with this. I did 
this big thing um, that I didn't think I could do. And I was very proud of that. I was ready was that to feeling, Sorry, was that feeling exclusive to endurance sports or were you feeling that like sense of apathy towards other aspects of your life? Everything. Family work, whatever. Okay. Everything. Yep. Wow. Totally numb. Um, yeah, it, it was very bizarre. Um, but I, I'd say content really is like, it's funny you go through that super hard race. And I remember afterwards I had to travel for work right afterwards. And, um, all I wanted, all I needed out of life was, uh, something to drink, something to eat, uh, a, you know, a temperature controlled environment and a place <laughs> to sleep. That's really, that's all I needed. It's like, this is, this is having those things readily available to me. That's, that's it. <laughs> this is life for me. And I'm super grateful to have just those things. Uh, and so it was really weird. Um, but then, then eventually I snapped out of that. Uh, and, and it was, did uh, you, did you look into that? You said you're curiosity driven and Jen has mentioned, I think you're a chemist. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So like, did did you dive down any rabbit holes trying to investigate what this sort of brain fog entails or how it comes Um, about? You know, um, I've only heard other people talk about it, but I didn't really dive too deep into it because I remember the description uh, and there was a good description of uh, the neurological brain chemistry uh, aspect of it, but I don't, I don't recall offhand. I couldn't uh, regurgitate that in a, an intelligent way, <laughs> but, I, but I think it's a, it's a pretty common thing. Um, and, it, and I just don't remember which chemicals and which processes get unbalanced. No, I'm just, uh, it's got me thinking because, um, you know, I watched James Lawrence's journey, the iron cowboy, and, uh, he, he went to UCLA's like hospital, uh, afterwards to get some CAT scans done. And I guess it was a similar thing, but just on probably a different scale, you know, but there was this fogness and apparently his brain had intentionally created this boundary these boundaries in order to protect himself from like the trauma his body was experiencing. Yeah. And it yeah. took a long time to come out of that. So yeah, maybe it's the same thing. I wasn't sure if yeah, that's what you're I, talking I, about or something else. So, yeah. yeah, no, that's exactly it. And I remember that was one instance where I had heard of that before and I've heard other people too. And um, from my understanding, it's, well, James Lawrence did this huge thing that you know, nobody can do. Um, any individual stretching themselves to that extent, maybe not doing 102 Ironmans, but um, if you know, not all of us are in that kind of shape or have that capability, but you know, doing for some people, it might be a 50 mile race or even a marathon or. I, you know, I think it, it has to be, it has to be a lengthy period of time yeah, yeah. that this triggers, but it doesn't have to be a hundred Ironmans where this gets triggered. It just has to be your, 
you're at this state for a long period of time and it just, just kind of messes you up and it doesn't happen to everybody. Um, but I think uh, for each individual, it's that really pushing their bodies beyond <laughs> um, what is probably rational. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. that, that can really trigger that. Um, so it's three months for you. Yeah. So that was three months. And uh, I, I remember, um, I think that race was in, uh, towards the end of March. And then around August time, I, remember uh texting a friend i said hey what are you up to this weekend and uh she responded back i'm doing an iron man iron man that's interesting i i i know my cousin did iron man's my cousin was a professional at one point but i didn't really know i had to look up what an iron man was really uh and uh and that it was that seed again of, of God, I do not understand an Ironman at all. Like, I don't know what it takes. I don't get it. Uh, I get the marathon part. And I wanted to just I, digest it into, well, is that 112 mile bike ride equivalent to a marathon? Is that swim equivalent to a marathon? So if I thought of it as three marathon efforts, is that right? <laughs> all these uh, processes, uh, yeah. like I don't get it at all. Uh, and that that triggered my curiosity again. And, and so I think it may have been the next weekend I signed up for an Ironman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. Mind you, uh, I... You know, I have a remedial uh, understanding of swimming at the time. <laughs> like I, I hadn't yeah. been in the pools in years. And I think I took just like survival swimming lessons as a kid. And that was my swimming experience. Yeah. Uh, well, but how much time did you have leading up to the race when you said It was out? a year. Okay. Um, all, right, all, right, all right. It was a year out. And it turned out um, that, that it was going to be in August of 29th or 2020 uh when everything was canceled yeah so, <laughs> and which one uh the santa rosa iron man okay yeah uh yeah so that that was it and then you know it was a good so, so I, I think uh it was a few months after that i thought oh, i should try out an olympic distance triathlon this is probably a good idea um <laughs> And uh, it was a, a, a local triathlon here called the Plutonium Man. And um, the swim was uh, with the current of the Columbia River. So it was a, supposedly a super easy swim and, you know, pretty flat bike and, and short run Olympic distance. And uh, again, no swimming practice ahead of time. Got in my... Uh, running shorts and the river was too cold for me. I was like, Oh, geez, I can't handle this. And then the start gun goes off. And then I realized, Oh, I don't really know how to swim. <laughs> like I'm uh, super grateful that this is going with the current. Cause I could just kind of keep my head above water and just kind of float down the river. Oh my gosh. So, so, had you at least gotten in a pool a couple times? Or no, I think I probably did. Um, but uh, yeah, but it, I didn't, I might not have, otherwise, I would have recognized <laughs> probably a really bad idea. 
That's good. But uh, I remember, uh, you know, the start of that, talking to some volunteers, and it's like, I'm kind of nervous about this swim. I don't, I don't know if I can do it. And they were on the swim exit. And they said, how'd it go? It's like, oh, my God. I'm so thankful to be alive. (laughs) I'm just glad to be alive right now. (laughs) Uh, And they're like, oh, okay. And so I just sat. (laughs) It's not what they were expecting. Yeah. I just sat in the transition area for a good amount of time. Just like, man, (laughs) I'm not racing at this point. I'm just glad to be alive. (laughs) Was it scary for you? Like what were you? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was, uh, I thought I was going to drown. Um, it was, uh, not great. <laughs> okay. So, and what was it just everything like lack of experience and maybe all these people in the water at one time, was it just overwhelming? Yeah. Um, I, and so I, I had known not to try to swim with everybody. So I just stayed in the back. Okay. So I wasn't even around people. It was just fear of water really. Um, and just, uh, really scared that realizing I just really don't know how to swim, (laughs) not well enough to to swim this distance. And so it was just kind of floating (laughs) uh, a bit and, uh, yeah, just, yeah, it was, it was pretty scary. (laughs) How'd the rest of it go? It went fine. I got, I was glad to be on land. It's like, I know how to ride a bicycle. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. Okay. Get on, on my bike and I couldn't really race, but I knew I could make it to the end by that point. Um, <laughs> it was just the, the swim part turned out to be, um, wasn't the best of decisions to jump in like that, but yeah, the, the rest went fine. Uh, you know, bike went all right. And, and, by the time I was running, I was like, yeah, I know how to do this. And I remember at, at one point, um, I was running pretty well and I was just passing tons of people because I was obviously in the way, way, way back. Yeah. I don't think there was hardly any bikes left when I started biking. <laughs> so I was passing people. I remember um, seeing this lady way up ahead at first I thought it was my friend that had encouraged me or was the inspiration to you know get into triathlon to begin with but I as I got closer it wasn't and uh, I remember saying to this lady it's like oh man I've been trying to catch you Uh, it's like I was really trying hard to catch up with you um and I can't believe I did and the lady looks over at me she's like you know, nobody's ever called me a rabbit before because <laughs> we're like seeing the way back. Yeah. <laughs> and I was moving pretty fast. Like, oh no, you're doing great. <laughs> um, and, and so, I, yeah, I, you know, it took me a long time to finish, but eventually I did. Uh, oh my gosh. That's great. So then what was, so your Ironman did get canceled, right? Yeah. After, yeah. after that. So what would have been the time? Like, let's say that was your first triathlon experience and had your August, 2020 race not been canceled. How much yeah. more time would you have had? It was, uh, I would say maybe, uh, maybe nine months ish. Um, cause I remember having a few months where I was on my own, still trying to figure this out. Um, 
and still not making a whole lot of progress on swimming and I was biking really slow. Uh, and then, and uh, it may have been roughly six months before that set Ironman date that I got a hold of Jen Comfort. It was like, hey, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I need help. <laughs> and, uh, but no, she, uh, I think the world of Jen um, and she, so yeah, no, six months is going to be all right. Uh, you'll be able to pull this off. And, and so what we did as, you know, we rolled through January, February, and everything was March, then everything was closing down and canceling. Um, what we ended up doing is just setting up a local course. Uh, just so at that date, I think it was August, um in 2020 that i could we, we trained to for me to be able to do an ironman and then i just did the distance on my own there was just a lot of local triathletes that came and supported and did various parts with me but it was we called it isolation man <laughs> nice <laughs> it was the, a lone effort just to just to get that uh, under my belt and just to do something yeah. uh, during the pandemic when nothing was going on, which is super cool. And that uh, was uh, amazing that, you know, Jen had encouraged that and, and kind of helped set that up and structured that. So I could actually, you know, you know, do that. It was, yeah. it was really neat. Yeah. And then did you follow it up with another Ironman in 2021? Like when did the yeah. double Ironman come into play? Yeah. Oh, by, so the, by I, the way, real quick. So you, this popped into my head earlier. You said, you know, you're, you just, you're curious and you want to see what these different events feel like. And yeah. cause you know, that was the thing, right? You finished the first 50 mile loop. And you're like, I wonder what it'd feel like to do two 50 mile loops. And you went on to do yeah. the Ironman at each of these sort of stages, life stages for you. Was there a sense of satisfaction or did you finish and immediately you were like, what's next? Like this wasn't enough. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I'd say, you know, that, that marathon, that first marathon is super significant for okay, me. Cool. Um, very satisfying. Uh, uh, same with the 50 and the hundred mile. Um, when I got into triathlon that I was used to these, well, I mean, in my mind, as that built up, like a hard effort was on the 20 24 hour scale and so doing these shorter events and even that isolation man iron man it was really neat to finish um it was certainly i had developed a long ways as an athlete but at the end it was like yeah, that uh, i think at that isolation man thing it may have taken me like 14 hours or something to do it mm -hmm. um I feel all right. This is uh, this is not so bad, and and I'll, I'll say really when I looked into that, what is an Ironman? I did recognize that there was such a thing as a as an ultra triathlon. Yeah. So I, in the back of my mind, I knew okay, there's this thing called Ironman, and I know there's something beyond that. Uh, I, I you know Rich Roll's book was one that kind of made me aware there's these ultra triathlon things. And yeah. so that was always in the back of my mind. It's like, okay, figure out this Ironman 
I'll say, so that isolation man was, it was good. Um, and then a year, so my deferral from the Santa Rosa Ironman was to do the Coeur d'Alene Ironman okay. in 2021. And that finish for me was pretty significant. That that felt really good. Um, I was really proud of that uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and how, how did you do time-wise compared to the first one? Like big improvement or a little bit? Yeah, a huge improvement, but... Uh, um, one, I think another year of developing my swimming and cycling was significant, but also um, doing that on my own, um, there wasn't the support. You can't really, uh, nothing, I didn't have anything set up to do it in a race mode. So it was very yeah, slow yeah. to get yeah. food and whatever. And um, But I had done that um, Coeur d'Alene one in, 11 ish hours. I don't remember for sure, but it was a significant time increase. And I was, I was a much better athlete by that time. Dude, what? So <clears throat> you're, <laughs> I've, I, the way that you're presenting all this information to me is as though you're like so green and new to it and learning on the fly. And then to say that you did Cordeline in 11 hours, like you've, you, that's really, really good. And also I had a buddy do that same race and he said it was like in the hundreds that day. Yeah. So, <laughs> you're, yeah. so you've got to be re- like killing it on some of these things, but yeah. I just, uh, I, I commend your humility, but I, you, you've got to be really strong on like something. So where did you improve the most on? Was it the swim, the bike or the run or everything? Well, now you got me questioning, uh, did, did I really do it in 11 hours? Or I, <laughs> am I not remembering? I don't, um, I think it was, uh, yes, yeah, so I, I don't know. Um, yeah, um, I, I think it was 11-ish hours, <laughs> but, but I, I could be wrong. Uh, um, but yeah, and I, and to your point about uh, being green and everything, that's, I, I think some people approach things a little bit differently. Um, and, and some of that is, uh, you know, and a lot, some people do this is they jump into something that seems too big. And that's the exciting part to me is like, ah, oh, yeah, um, let's try to bite this big chunk off that's completely unknown um there's a definite uh, you know odds of failing are reasonably high uh, and it's just exciting uh i think that's that's how i approach it i think some people do that and, and i certainly encourage that um it's fun whereas a, a more conservative approach of you know incrementally stepping up your probability and odds of success are much greater um, and you just have more command over the sport as you make a more intelligent uh, jumping uh, um, from distance to distance and kind of building that skill over time. Um, And I I think I'm, so that's, you know, part of it being exciting, the unknown. And then another part of it, starting 
endurance sports so late in life. That's another motivational factor of, I, you know, I'm 43 now. And, you know, I just got into traveling a few years ago. Um, and so it's like, I don't have a lot of time left to do these things. So let's just try to do uh, as much as we can um, and try to not build up over time, but maybe take some leaps uh, to, to progress to higher goals quicker than maybe somebody who is younger and has more time to develop over life. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to get to your point, like what did I improve on the most? Um, it, it has to be both um, swimming uh, and biking too. I just had so much to, to develop there. Whereas running with that background in ultra endurance is just, it's just kind of there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I did spend a significant and still do have to spend a significant amount of time swimming. Um, and just that, that, you know, it, it's just the fact of being a, an adult onset swimmer. <laughs> that, uh, sure, it's, sure. it's super hard and I have to spend so much effort for this smallest amount of gains there <laughs> yeah, yeah. continues to be the case. Yeah. I, I think cycling is a little bit like that too. Um, at least it is for me. It's, it's hard for me to build that strength. And so I just have a lot to improve on that. Yeah. So have you done a third Ironman yet, or did you go from Coeur to the double? Yeah, uh, I did. So um, right after Coeur I was just stoked on Ironmans. And it was shortly after that, that I signed up for the St. George Ironman, which ended up turning into the world championships. Right. Yeah. Well, there'd be no way I could qualify for it, but <laughs> I had signed up before it was the world championships. So I was, I was in the world championships. <laughs> yeah. So I had signed up for that um, in the summer of 2021. Uh, and I was, um, and that, that was going to be my next big race. Uh, and I was, you know, working with Jen on setting some goals and uh, it was probably around December or maybe even January, December, 2021 or January of this year when I had remembered, cause I was aiming to, I wanted to get into one of the Ultraman races. Okay. Ultraman Canada really is what I had my eyes set on. Cause it was, it's like a six hour drive to Penticton from here. Mm -hmm. But at that time they were filled. Uh, I, was, I, I sent in my application to be on the wait list and it didn't look like it was going to happen for me in 2022. And so, like, ah. but then you have to qualify uh, for Ultraman. You have, it's a, it's a, it's by invitation. Oh, so you fill out an application and then you have to be invited. And, uh, yeah, for for those ones. Okay, um, got it. It's it's got a pretty cool history and aura around it that they're not necessarily looking for the top athletes, um, but uh, just your mentality and uh, they call it, uh, just um, 
just being a nice person, I think is what they're, they're looking for that kind of that Ohana spirit, um, okay. which is just this really cool vibe. It's, it's uh, something that trail running has and really resonates with me. And I didn't really feel that way with the Ironman. It tends to be this more hyper-competitive, personalized atmosphere that I kind of feel. Um, but that, but once you get to the ultra distances, it becomes a smaller crowd um, and, a, and a really cool group of people, I think. Yeah. Um, so it, since that Ultraman Canada didn't look like it was going to happen to me, I had forgotten about these Anvil races because I, I was aware of them a year ago or so. Um, but then as I stumbled across this, oh, yeah. And uh, uh, I remember sending an email to um, Steve Kirby saying, because the Oregon one didn't look like it had happened for three years, even before the pandemic, it didn't happen. So I sent an email to Steve Kirby. I said, are you guys going to do this this year? Um, Or what's the story on it? And he replied back. Oh, yep, we're going to do it this year. It's at this date. Um, Why don't you send me a picture uh, list your top three or four races, favorite races. I'll put you on the website. Uh, and essentially, um, didn't, these weren't the words, but it was a feeling of, ah, now you're in with the cool kids. You're in the cool kid club. Huh. Uh, and, and so uh, fill out the application, send in your fee when you get around to it. But, but you're in. Uh, huh. And I was like, ah, Okay. I'm not sure. It was still a really big leap and I wasn't sure if I was ready for that. And it was six months away. Um, And, and so that uh, there was a, I didn't know if I, I discussed it with Jen and was on board with it. And I remember filling out my application with the entry fee and everything, putting it in the mail uh, and if I got home from work before the mailman came, I'd pull it back out because <laughs> I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to do it or not. <laughs> and then uh, one day uh, I came home from work and my application was gone. I was like, oh, I guess I'm signed up now. Uh, wow. What, what was it, the source of the apprehension? Was it like, I'm not sure I can finish? Yeah. Was yeah. That was it. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't, it, it may have been just too big of a chunk to bite off again it it scared me um a lot it's like this is a huge leap i've and at that time i had done one official iron man (laughs) (laughs) like uh and then we're gonna double it and i (laughs) didn't understand that distance um and and i and maybe you've looked into this a bit. I, I remember trying to seek out training plans or some kind of notion or what people have gone through. And there's not a lot. Um, it's not like an Ironman where you can find, you know, programs um, everywhere in every flavor and whatever. Yeah. Um, this, there was, it was a struggle to find those little bits of information of what, training might look like um what am i getting myself into what how should you be assessing yourself whether you should make that leap or not it was it was tough so yeah it was a 
uh, huge unknown. Um, and the little bits of information I could find, it looked like it was going to require a lot of hours of training. Um, yeah, so, but I'll, I'll say after that, the mailman picked up my application and <laughs> delivered it to Steve. Uh, there was at one point shortly after that, um, it really stuck in my head uh, as I kind of visualized it a bit. It's like, this is something I want really, really bad. Like this is, I'm all in at this point. And so we had to no more nerves. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, no, sure. There was nerves, but I was committed to go through the process of trying to, to get there. Um, yeah. So, so I, yeah, I had yeah, a, a decent six months to, to train for that. And it, it got intense. It got training. Really yeah. So how many hours a week were you up to? Yeah. So I, it's funny. Um, Jen had said she programmed out an a- average of 20 hour weeks. Oh. And I, yeah. And I, and I thought, no, oh, there's no way. Cause it felt like more. It's like that. Maybe that was the intention, but reality, but then I went back and looked I was like, no, it was an average of 20 hour weeks, but um, not, it wasn't 20 hours every week. There were a few weeks that went up to 30 hours. Oh my goodness. And some down at 15. And <clears throat> And this is, this is just the exercise, right? Forget like the stretching, the rolling, the prep, because yeah. that always adds like almost, you know, 30 extra minutes to any workout that you're doing. And yeah. 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 Driving to the pool. Driving to the thing. Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was super, super hard. Um, and so my life consisted of, you know, sleeping, eating, exercising and work and it was incredibly stressful um i you, i had to cut out everything else and i would never have been able to put in those hours in that way if my wife wasn't a hundred percent supportive i can imagine yeah 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 when, when would was, you go early mornings after work or every day yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes to both yeah so uh, yeah, so usually, you know, it'll be an early morning, um, get up and, and do some kind of workout, go to work, and then right after work, do some kind of workout, and then weekends just being monstrously long <laughs> sets of workouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that was incredibly stressful. Now, now that I think back, it was... Yeah, it was really hard. Um, I had to become ultra efficient at, at life just to do that. And I I ended up, uh, I think um, it was David Goggins or somebody like that. Maybe I'll attribute it to him. I don't remember for, for sure. In his book, he had mentioned going through the exercise of just writing down you know, what you're doing every minute of the day. Um, and it just kind of, uh, it makes you think, um, it's like, oh, I spent X amount of time browsing the internet. Like, well, I can't do that. 
uh, and it, it's, it's extraordinarily stressful to account for every minute of the day, um, but it's somewhat enlightening and is what I had to do. I didn't do it constantly throughout. It was starting into that process of, of trying to figure out, can I fit this average of 20 hours of exercise in a week? Is just going through that kind of exercise of, of accounting for every minute of my day and recognizing um, I have to be on the ball constantly moving directly from one thing to the next, no sitting around, relaxing, none of that. Yeah. Uh, and, and recognizing anything that would derail my day, um, you know, a, a mistake made, oh, I forgot my badge for work and I have to make an extra trip home and back. <laughs> that, that I live really close to work is like a 15 minute drive, but that 15 minutes any little mistake was going to cut out in my sleep. It says like, okay, it, so it's not coming out of training. It's coming out of the sleep bucket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I was, I was committed to what I think both Jen and I thought was necessary in the quantity of volume of workouts that needed to be done in order to be in the kind of shape I needed to be to do this double anvil. So, I mean, so that was that kind of commitment in my mind that I was referring to is like, okay, this is uh, very serious about this. And, and yeah, there's no cutting or shorting on workouts. Um, it's just not an option. Uh, yeah. So how many hours a night were you sleeping on average? Um, it would it's funny. I, I didn't have a sleep tracker at the time, but now that I have one, um, I, so I, I don't know for sure, but it, it was probably getting to the six ish, seven ish hour time frame is not super healthy for doing a lot of exercise, yeah. but that's, that's what it ended up being. Right. Um, right. 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 It, if things were going well, um, and it was a low, so that, that would be like on the really high volume weeks, on the low volume weeks, um, I could catch up a bit. So it wasn't, there wasn't anything super consistent. It was, you know, credit to Jen, well periodized sets of, of ramp cycles, um, a super smart way of doing it. Um, yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't a super consistent schedule of, Oh, I only have this many hours to sleep every night for six months. It was, it was well periodized. Yeah. So there was super hard pushes uh, followed by, you know, some not so intense pushes. <clears throat> so did, was all that worth it? Did you feel ready the morning of the double anvil? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I, I felt there was, you know, I, I can't say I had confidence um, is still totally unknown. And I think when, when you get to these, the longer the race goes, the greater the number of things that can go wrong. <laughs> and a lot of them are just completely out of your control. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just massive. And so having done some longer events before I was just aware of that. It's like, yeah a zillion things could go wrong. Um, I felt reasonably confident that I could get through it. 
Um, but it, it was, uh, yeah, it was certainly tough. It was really hard. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah. So how long did it take you all together? Uh, just under 30 hours. So I think I was 29 hours, 59 minutes or something like that. And, uh, it's funny. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not time. Um, so I did that hundred mile Badger mountain challenge. I think I did it in 21 ish hours. I had done like during the pandemic, I had done this, uh, thing called Everesting. Oh yeah. Um, it was it's like the 2909 virtual... 29 thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So I had done that. Um, and that was like a 20 ish hour effort. I don't remember for sure, but it's on the order of 20 ish. So I had these like overnight, uh, you know, race or whatever challenge things in my pocket. So I thought, oh, I know what that is. Your cookie jar. Yeah. I got to hour 24. And realize, ooh, this is a bit more. I'm good for 24 hours, but uh, that's when things got really hard. That's when I started to question how far can I go? (laughs) That was the moment there um, that was, uh, and then as I was. So you must have still been on the bike. No, no, no. You Were you running then? I had just started the run. Okay. Yep. And, uh, so I can say, you know, the, the swim was amazing, ideal conditions, um, this glassy, smooth lake. Uh, the, it was about a kilometer loop out and back. So it was very easy to sight. Um, yes, yeah, you couldn't ask for better swim conditions. Got out of the water feeling great. Uh, started the bike and then it started to rain. And it, it rained hard for a solid 14 hours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. That was Were you not, able to stay dry? Like your feet and everything or? Uh, yeah. Surprisingly, um, I was okay. I, I had brought the right things um, and, and I was all right. It was pretty miserable um, for sure. Uh, really visibility was difficult. Um uh, but uh, I was okay. Uh, it was not fun to ride oh, through the night oh in pouring gosh. rain. But but it, so once I got off the bike, I was and it stopped. His you know the rain was subsiding, started to calm down. I was just happy to be off the bike at that point. So my first couple loops on the run was like, man, this is great. And then that's when that that fatigue after those first couple loops, like, ah, I'm tired. And that's all I could really communicate to Jen was there. My wife was there. It's like, I'm, I'm tired. What what I really meant was sleepy because muscle wise, everything was fine. I, I didn't recognize that at the time. I was just, just exhausted. I just, all I wanted to do was sleep. And, uh, and I was right about at the 24 hour mark. And, and had I really thought about it at the time and, and really to, from 24 to 30 hours is almost a whole work day. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's a, that's a, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we, and these, the run course was so short 
Um, we had to do 40 some odd loops of this run course. 40 loops. Yeah. And so just that mental monotonous, these uh, loops just ticking by one at a time. And you had to get to 40 of them. It's just, that was a lot. Um, and and then I had some caffeine. And then... <laughs> Then I realized, oh, I'm just sleepy. There's nothing keeping me from running. I'm okay. This caffeine's great. Uh, and it was at that point I realized, oh, I'm going to make this. I'm going to be able to do it and get to the finish line. Did you take so, any breaks? Um, not really. Um, each. So the... Um, the bike loop was about 10 miles and you had to do whatever 22 ish of those loops. And as it was raining, I couldn't, uh, I didn't have enough confidence to be able to eat while riding. Okay. So at each loop, I would kind of stop and eat a little bit um, before I went out. And so my, I was, a, I would, that took up a lot of time. So it wasn't lengthy breaks, but I would stop and eat something. Um, and so that was about the extent of my breaks. Okay. But it wasn't, uh, you know, I think if I would have stopped and put my feet up and rested for a while, I would have been out. May have been the end of yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah. did you, did you plan to have like a steady pace through like a, to start slow and just be even keeled the entire time? Or did you see some exponential decreases there towards the end? Um, I had, I, I didn't really have a pace plan. I had kind of vague notions of how long it was going to take me to do the swim, vague notions of how long it was going to take me to do the bike and the run. But since this was like such unknown territory, completely unknown that um that I, I there was no i i don't think there was any sense of me coming up with a pace strategy um so essentially the pacing was just to keep track of my heart rate and just to be cognizant of you know remaining in zone two uh and if i go above not to spend too much time above if I'm well below thinking oh, I could push this a little bit more. So it was all really by, by heart rate and kind of feel um, with what was going on. But there would, there was no way that I was going to commit to any kind of pacing and even my vague notions of how long it was going to take me to do things were super vague and wasn't really committed to those. So how was the actual V planned? <laughs> like were your swim, were your, uh, your swim bike and run times anywhere close to what you had thought you'd I was much faster at? than I thought I was going to oh, be. Oh man, that's great. What, what did you do each, each segment in, if you don't mind uh, asking? I was afraid you were going to ask me that. And I pulled <laughs> this up. Okay. So the, my swim time was two hours and 34 minutes. And I think I came out of the water. I think I was fourth Solid. out of the water. Um, which, From last to fourth. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so I, 
granted, there are there were I think eighteen people that started it, and something around eleven ish or so that finished it. So there's not a lot of people, but I was just shocked because I. It's like, wow, I came out of the water fourth. And I, I was not aware of where other people were because this was a kilometer loop. I don't yeah. remember passing anybody. <laughs> I don't know how I got to that point, but uh, two hours and 34 minutes to swim eight kilometers. Man, that's awesome. And then the, the 224-mile bike ride, which had – 14,000 feet of total elevation gain. It was not a, it was not a flat. Yeah. <laughs> that took me 16 hours and 40 minutes. Okay. And then the run, the 52 mile run was 10 hours, 10 hours, 10 minutes about. Oh my gosh. That's fantastic. Coming off of, I mean, 10 hours for a 50 mile run is great period. And then to do that yeah. after everything that you did, was there climbing on the run too? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was up or down and there was nothing flat about it. It wasn't what I have recorded for the elevation gain was 3,900 feet according to my watch. I don't know how. So running has got to be your strongest discipline then, right? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But in my estimate of time, and I think this is kind of a psychological trick for me too. I, I was like, uh, conservatively, I'm going to take, I forgot what it was for the swim, uh, but it was a lot longer. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's going to take me this long. And so when I came out, it was like, okay, I'm well ahead of what I thought I would be doing. Yeah. Same with the, the bike. And by the run, there was little thought going on. <laughs> There's, I was just moving. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So how about just like key takeaways from that? One, wh wh where's your curiosity at now? Like, are you already looking at the next thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You are. <laughs> what is it? What's the next thing? Well, so I'm not, you know, as I'm talking over this, uh, what my plan was and maybe is, Next year, I want to do that, uh, the Oregon Double Anvil again. I would like to try to get that invite to the um, uh, Ultraman Canada event. And then um, in October of 23, the Virginia race uh, is going to have a 5X component to it. So five times Anvil, which would be really cool, um, but logistically, uh, my wife is a teacher and my kids go to school. And so that, that October, uh, I think it's October timeframe is just really difficult. October of 23. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll be there at the same time if I end up doing this. Yeah. That'd be super cool. I'll finish mine and then crew for, for, you, <laughs> yeah. for your remaining three. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That, yeah, so there's ambitions to do that, that, but as I as we're recounting this and that training time and how stressful that was and how difficult it was, it's uh, it's hard to say. Yeah, I'd do that again. <laughs> but I will say um, uh, that the finish, as I the finish of that double anvil was far greater than I ever 
imagined it would be. How so? Uh, it was super significant for me. Uh, and just an amazing feeling. Um, this, there was quite a few people involved uh, with getting to that point. You know, Jen Comfort being one just, you know, was uh, key and instrumental in all steps of the whole process. And she was there for the for the event itself, crewed for the 30 hours uh, that I was doing that. So having her be a part of that whole process and same with my wife, my wife had put in, she sacrificed a lot for me to do that uh, and to, to just put some kind of finale to that. Um, and she was there um, along with my kids that had witnessed the whole process was amazing. And then all everyone involved with that race, the race directors, the volunteers, and the athletes doing it um, all cared about everyone else. It has had this, uh, just this amazing uh, feeling to it. Um, everybody cared about everybody else, mm. and was rooting for everybody else um, to, to make it through um, and just cared about each other. And, and I got to know several of them throughout the long weekend there we were all several of us were staying at the same hotel so we'd have breakfast uh and there was just race dinners and the award ceremony afterwards you got to know a lot of the people um involved and that was a far greater experience than i than i could have imagined um so it's uh it it made that that feeling even now made all those sacrifices um, well worth it. it was yeah. Like, was it emotional? Like, are you, are you an emotional guy? 100%. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I uh, was highly emotional uh, at the finish of that sure. race. And even the, the day after at the award ceremony, I, it was hard for me to even talk about. Uh, uh, and so yeah. So when you ask about what's the future, it's like, boy, if I could replicate that feeling again, uh, that would be amazing. But it's hard to do. It becomes more difficult because I think just repeating the organ double anvil again, I, I don't know, but I, it's not, it doesn't have that. I couldn't imagine it having that level of accomplishment and feeling again because it's i've been there done that um it's a weird way to think about it but i i and i could be no i get it i mean it's it's an addicting feeling that's not super scalable you know like what yeah right what do you do after a few years you you do like 10 of these in a row or something i mean it's uh well now that you so in 2024 that annual uh uh enterprise now uh, is being taken over by um this mammoth running uh, i saw that yeah 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 um craig is now running that because steve's retired uh but he said they're gonna have a, a 10x in 2024 so there oh is a path gosh. to continue to double but at what point do you get i think i'm already at the point where it's 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 a lot of sacrifice. It, totally. 
things can go sideways real quick i think so it's just feeling that out um yeah but but i'm i mean for you and, and the listeners i'd say yeah i mean that that double anvil experience just incredible absolutely incredible um and and you 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 can think about the race itself and how big of an accomplishment that would be but what was not known to me is is that community and those people which is really cool yeah you know and that's to speak to what you said earlier about the space beyond iron man is this ultra community which is a lot smaller lot yeah. less saturated and a little bit more family and community oriented yeah which is cool because you finished the iron man and you know it's 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 a corporation right they shuttle you out there like they get you out <laughs> so they can just like kind of keep yeah. the train moving yeah um, versus like really sitting in it and like sitting in it with each other yeah at the finish i uh i think there's something really special about that that I, I haven't experienced, <laughs> so, um, yeah. but I hope to at some point. And I just, I love that we got to hear this story from you and it's really great and inspiring. Like I'm excited to look into it myself. I really want to do this Virginia one. Yeah. Um, you really showed your sister. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny. Um, it wasn't my intention, she was <laughs> but what she does have is uh so she did her marathon um and shortly after was diagnosed with cancer oh um, my god it was so sorry it ended up being a, a highly treatable form of leukemia um that especially at her young age um she's gotten over it wasn't a great process but they had the right type of medication that i think it's in full remission um and she's great now okay good to hear um but she has that show i did my marathon but i did it with cancer (laughs) (laughs) she's got to have the leg up on you still a little bit so yeah so total respect because she did have symptoms of that of that during the race (laughs) you got me there yeah All right. Well, hopefully you never have to experience that. Um, man. So if, if listeners want to follow the journey for the potential second double anvil and potential five X double anvil, how can they keep up with you? Are you on social media? I know you're on Instagram. What's yeah. Yeah. I'm on Instagram and Facebook, but I think I have my Instagram set now to fully public. So, um, yeah, it's, uh lucas underscore sweet okay at in on instagram um and and anybody can follow there i'm not the greatest at posting on social media but uh, maybe someday i'll be better at it but yeah i do post stuff on there (laughs) i think that's i think that's probably a good thing (laughs) uh talking about tracking your time that's a time suck right there so you can yeah a lot more training in if you just social media um, yeah yep absolutely yeah that's the one thing you recognize like oh i just spent x number of minutes scrolling and this has no benefit to me no benefit zero benefit so <laughs> luke thank you thank you man it was it was great just to i mean i feel like i was there with you you know for for a lot of those loops on the bike in the run and just listening to the story and also just, I, I said inspiring, but it really is inspiring when you think about how progressive this sport is. To start in 2016, 2017 in a marathon, 
for all the folks out there thinking like an Ironman, maybe one day, five years, 10 years from now, mm. I mean, there's no need to rush it. If you're, if you're somebody listening and you want to take five to 10 years, great, you know, take your own time. It's, you know, do, do your own thing, but it doesn't have to be that way. Like you can get there if you make some of these sacrifice, if that's what you want to do, but just, it is so progressive to go from having to sit in the transition period after your first ever swim in an Ollie try, just fearing for your life to swimming five miles, basically on the double anvil in two and a half hours really speaks yeah. a lot to what, what we're capable of as human beings. If you're, if you're willing to go for it. So, yep. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, yeah, yeah. A super good message and, and would echo that. And yeah, I encourage people just to, yeah. If, if you see a goal, you know, try to figure it out and that's half the fun. I truly hope that you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you found the show valuable, I'd encourage you to rate or review us on whatever platform that you're listening to this podcast on. Each rating goes a long way and helps us to spread our message to more people looking to build up their endurance, people like you, people like me. And if you'd like more info on me or our charity endurance team, catch me on Instagram at it's Jake Savage or visit teamai.org. Until next time, keep pressing on.